Hello and a warm welcome to our podcast, Successful Students in Transitions, Time to Thrive, hosted by Louise Wiles and Elizabeth Gillis. And in our podcast, we aim to support young people as they step out of school life into the world of work and study and help them thrive in any new environment. So it's Elizabeth Gillis here introducing this new year and a new series. In the podcast, we will continue to focus on the move to university. So if you're a first year student or planning to go to university or feel you're settling in somewhere new, today will be a good listen. In our previous series over eight weeks, we raised and discussed themes of the transition to university and the settling process. Things like planning, expectations, making new friends, organisations of study, rest, missing home, doubts about the course manage academics and also financials and that return home where some of you might be at the moment but I know our student today Marianne back at university. So a lot of topics covered and we'll know it's complex change and if some of those things we've talked I've just sort of briefly introduced there you want to go back and listen there are whole podcasts on those things. So today a very warm welcome to Marianne. First year student, first chance done Marianne, well done to you. So I want to take you back, Marianne, to kind of last summer, or maybe even before that, if you want. And I want you to kind of chat through, tell us a little bit about how you got ready for going on this transition, this change to university. What helped you? Um, well, last year, I took a gap year right. and I I reapplied. I did a fan, an art foundation course at Kingston. Um I was kind of unsure as to whether I wanted to continue pursuing art, you know, making art or studying art or, you know, what I'm doing. I'm currently doing comparative literature and history of art joint honours. But in order to prepare, I knew someone who had gone to Glasgow last year. And so I kind of interrogated her and that was very comforting. Obviously, visiting the uni was integral for me because I... um. I'm someone who's very kind of my gut feeling is very clear the moment I kind of enter a space. I was very, very initially determined that Edinburgh was the place for me. And I got in and I remember visiting and just it just wasn't clicking. Everything was on paper idyllic and it was it's a beautiful city. But I just the feeling wasn't there. And that was really key for me. So I think visiting was really what settled me and made me kind of have a feel for how I might prepare. Yeah. yeah. And, and and Marianne had a little chat. We had a chat before this because Glasgow's my home city. So I'm cheering that you're in Glasgow <laughs> because they have very different feels. I don't know if you'd ever ventured north to Glasgow before, had you? Before I hadn't, no. No, I hadn't. And was there anything about that appeal of the four-year course, Marianne? There was. I mean, both. It kind of it, different moods. I felt differently about it. Part of me thought that that was kind of a bit of a con in terms of flowing because I thought I'm not. I can't just kind of get it done with and start my kind of working life. But now that I'm here and love it so much and feel that the year is. I mean, this term is so short. The second term and that this year is nearly over is shocking to me. That four years almost feels too short. I can't even imagine doing three years at this point. So it definitely. A huge positive for me. So, 
And it feels like you've already made that transition to you, you, you're in the beginning of your second term, that you're already thinking how precious my time is, which is maybe a good thing. Completely, completely, yeah. So when you were interrogating people and asking people about going to University of Glasgow in particular, what were the helpful things they said to you? I think the biggest gamble about university is sort of the people. For me, he, the, the people I was going to be around was the most important thing. The course itself wasn't the leading factor when I was searching for universities. I wanted to be surrounded by like-minded people. And um, and obviously university is huge, so there's going to be a mix of loads of people. But I felt that finding out about the, kind of the general consensus seems that everyone was incredibly friendly. Um, and those kind of things were really helpful to know. And also knowing, you know, getting my kind of young Scots card and there's stuff like that that were also very helpful. But I think more getting to grips with kind of the type of people that were going to be, I was going to be around, I think was really helpful. Yeah. And, and yeah. I guess when people are saying to you, the people are friendly and that's a really, that's an attraction because for a lot of young people, I'll just talk about friendship now, that is quite a priority for them. Do you know how important that was for you about making it's friends? Hugely, and- it was hugely important. I mean, I'm lucky because I have such a solid group at home, but post-COVID, I think socialising was a huge thing and wanting to, to be part of new communities and experimenting with different ways of socialising and all of that was incredibly important to me. And I think coming to uni, I mean, socialising was key. It's like, it was a key reason why I wanted to go to university in the first place was to meet people and meet people who were passionate about subjects. And so how did you get to know these people? How did you go out and put yourself out there to meet people? What did you do? I was very, first week, I was very, very proactive. A lot of my friends actually weren't, and yet they've still been successful. I think we're still friends. We are friends. It's a two-way thing. But I was very, very, that first week, I remember kind of getting up early every day and just kind of marching to like the society's fairs and like just getting a feel of it. I really, I was, I, I was excited. So I, I was enthusiastic. That really helped just just kind of biting the bullet and going in and just talking, just engaging in conversation. A lot of people you kind of meet in pressure and you never see again, mm. but it's important. I think it, it's good exercise for then when you meet people who are more your, who become your friends. I think it's really important to kind of relax into doing uncomfortable things and starting uncomfortable conversations. I think really helps. And you're right because you've li- you've likely been in school, and then you were in your gap year. But especially when you were in school, you you weren't used to making new friends. You had all your friends, no. yeah. And then yeah. you're having to do it again from thinking. Maybe you did in your gap year. I'm sure you did meet people, and mm. you had to go and meet new people. But when you're at university, you're starting to think, well, how did I do that before? I forgot how mm. I did it. I just have this group of friends. Um, so it's new and it, I think you're right it does feel uncomfortable yeah do you do you feel you've got your group of students that you can go out with and talk to and I'm going to say this word yet do you think you've got them yet yeah I do I think I've been very I've had a kind of charmed experience in the sense of I I met people 
through my mostly through my history of art course and their friend we kind of all molded our kind of the odd person we'd met that we liked and that kind of formed this group and we have very but I very very quickly found a group of people that I feel completely relaxed around and I think that is the most important thing when you're going to university because you're you need to find your your equivalent of your family the people you can do nothing with mm. um, but are still company and I think that's a real sign of intimacy is when you can be completely kind of not need an activity yes. to hang out with them and that and, and I found that very quickly and argue with as well and repair with you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's totally. both, because I said I said that word yet and I've said it often when I've asked that question because our the research shows that it does take a lot of time and effort and you certainly put in the effort so that saying you've got a charmed existence maybe is not totally true because you've you've put in that effort and you had that priority that this is the thing that you really wanted to do. So well done to you, Marianne. Let's think a little bit about in relation to your organisation and studies. Did you bring previous things that were useful to you or have you implemented new skills? How has that helped? In terms of learning? Yeah, and learning and attending lectures and going to tutorials and doing you know often that that busy week busy times of um freshers week is so busy and everything and then reality hits oh it's work I'm here I'm actually a student I'm here to learn how's that how's the learning working bit going I think I um found it initially quite difficult the kind of anonymity of lectures because I was used to my secondary school I mean my my sixth form different was different in this respect but my secondary school was very very small there were 50 people in a year and you had a very very kind of intimate relationship with your teachers in the sense that they knew exactly where you were at they knew your name they knew exactly what you were doing whereas going to university you're you feel like a number to a certain extent I think I found that disconcerting at the beginning but I got back into the swing of it. I also think that here, the fact that it's four years, this first year, I, I, I don't feel that I've been given a huge amount of work. I feel as though uni kind of punctuates my life, but my life is much bigger than uni, mm. um, which I didn't actually expect. Right. I expected my life to be dominated by work, but it, re- it really hasn't mm-hmm. been. And what about, I, I know this is, this is early days yet in, in kind of the studies. What about the standards of work? Are you kind of, is it what you thought or is it higher or lower? Where where would that be? It's a mix. I think, I think lower would be extreme, but I do think I'm not, I haven't found lecturers yet that have been totally inspirational. And I think, I think I've, I've, I've had, I'm comparing it to a lot of teachers who have been, I've had an amazing Kind of history of teachers even from primary school who kind of made me engage with subjects in such a profound way I haven't felt that here and I think that's been slightly disappointing um, because I love teachers and I love being inspired by by people and people who know or are, are passionate about things so I think that's been one thing that's been slightly disappointing is that I felt that um, I haven't found that kind of that kind of lecturer that I'm desperate to go back and 
talk to and interrogate and I haven't had that yet but I I haven't lost faith that that will happen I feel that that will and I've got this um this this thought around that and I don't know if it's true or not I need to talk to people in university but you know teaching first years is not as exciting as teaching fourth years for instance you know so it might be that you know it might change about who who teaches first year. It's a bit like at school, you know, whoever gets to do the A level or the higher classes or something, they're usually those teachers with maybe maybe more experience or something. So there might be something to do with that as well. And I guess in that first year, they're big, they're likely bigger classes as well, aren't they? Especially in Scotland. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And also the elective—that's also what's kind of kept me going in that respect. Is that the elective system? So you do your course but you can do two electives if you're not doing a joint honours I'm doing a joint honours so I'm doing one elective but Mm. it means that there are going to be tons of students who kind of forgot that they needed to choose an elective and have kind of turned up in subjects that they couldn't care less about and so I understand that lecturers will be aware of that yeah Um, so I I do think that this year academically it it makes sense that it wouldn't be totally enthralling Mm. yeah and And maybe you working that out for yourself and understanding it is quite a good thing. That mm, you know, completely. This is this is my introduction to it. If you did yeah. help Marianne with academic stuff, do you know where you would go? I wouldn't be able to tell you off the bat. I I think it would be easy for me to reach. I haven't been in that situation, which is lucky. And I'm 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 a confident writer, and so essays and things like that, which I've had to do, have not kind of felt overwhelming. Um, I do have friends who, however, who have found it very difficult and have been able to get in contact with people. But I personally wouldn't be able to say that I knew exactly what, where I would go. Um, so, so maybe in that way, it's a need, you know, if you need to, do, you need it, so you'll find it, but you don't know at the moment. Fine. In these kind of early weeks of university, there you've been for that first term and now you've just started your second Especially in the early early weeks, we've encouraged through the podcast for students to check in with themselves to see how they're doing because there's a lot of new things. Well, you're in a new place with new people, you know, studying, doing new things after your gap year, washing, cooking, doing all that other kind of stuff, socialising, you know, maybe even learning, going to new societies and clubs or whatever. So there's a there's a lot of stuff going on. And we ask people to check in with themselves to see how they're doing. Um, focusing on what they're doing well as maybe places or things that they need to make some adjustments to. Um, how are you doing? If you were to look back. Good. I think that that first term, I was everything was kind of I was on a high. Yes. Pretty constantly. But you have dips, and I definitely had two or three times where I felt like I was it, it got overwhelming because looking after yourself is a full-time job absolutely on top of socializing <laughs> and gathering your bearings and I mean there's so much to do and I think one a piece of advice I'd kind of give myself would be to cut myself some slack that it's okay to be feeling overwhelmed it doesn't you know there's, there's a lot on your plate but I think you kind of adapt so quickly um so you feel like you're not constantly 
thinking about a million things, but you are, you actually are. And there's, there's a lot to, to, to be grappling with at the same time, which I did have moments of it, it feeling overwhelming for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because we in the podcast talk about that dip that happens in normal transitions through that bit of when you're coming to university and you're right, how exciting it all is and new and everything. People kind of call that the honeymoon period. Everything's new and wonderful. And then, especially for students at university, you know, the darker times, you know, October, November comes, it gets darker, it gets a bit colder. You start missing home, maybe. Often there's doubts about, did I choose the right course? Am I at the right university? So when you were having those dips, um, do you know what it was about? Was it just about being new in this place and that overwhelm of doing everything for yourself or was that something else? I think it was one of the times it was definitely I felt like I was crashing a bit. I think I didn't realise how kind of thin I was spreading myself. Yeah. And I was kind of the determination to create a strong foundation fund-wise, that constant going out. I think I wasn't sleeping enough. That really affects me. Um, and I did have a moment where it was just... I just had to be with be on my own. And I think at uni, especially when you're on halls, alone time is rare, but it's it's necessary, certainly for me. Um and I think that I didn't I didn't consider the the kind of fatiguing element of socializing and looking after myself um to such a kind of intense degree. Um so it was mainly about the kind of over overworking myself I think was mainly the problem that I just suddenly was like I can't this is too much um but less home I mean I didn't I haven't really felt homesick which has been unfortunate um yeah so it's been more about feeling overwhelmed yeah I, I think we forget how exhausting going and talking to new people and Putting that kind of your best foot forward away, you know, about being a kind of happy, jolly, excited kind of person or whatever, so that you're going to attract friends, how how draining that could be. You know, what, what, and one of the podcasts that we talked about when we talk about rest, it's not just about sleep, but it's maybe a bit like what you were saying is having social rest, knowing that you just need some time on your own <laughs> just to have a little bit Absolutely. of you know, you're not maybe going to sleep, you're, but you're just saying, no, I just need a bit of my own time so I can just be in my own head or do things that are restful for me. Yeah, and also I think reconnect with myself because I think you kind of, you start socialising and it's very performative. And and in the sense that, as you said, you're putting your best foot forward and no one can just put their best foot forward 24-7. Um, and I think that you can get into a kind of, autopilot of kind of being jolly constantly and doing all these incredible fun things and getting to know loads of people that you sometimes completely kind of there's a block between you and kind of what you're actually feeling and I think it's really important to have moments of reconnecting with what you actually want and need yeah. at, at a certain time yeah I I agree Marianne and I'd say kind of especially in that first term kind of do it consciously 
Don't wait mm-hmm. until you're absolutely exhausted and burnt out, you know, all that precious flu and all that illness that people get. That's your body mm-hmm. saying you've done too much. So Completely. you have to pay attention to those signals within yourself like you were doing. Mm. So can we just talk a little bit now about when you went home for the holiday? Uh, did you go home back home to yeah for the holiday? Yeah. What were the highs and lows of that then? Going home was weird because it felt like, in some senses, it really felt like I'd never left. Yeah. I kind of got back into a kind of position within my family, um, and you kind of regress. But also, I found it difficult I found being with my family difficult because I was used to my own routine and they live in a completely different way but what I do um or how I do so it was it was weird it was it was a roller coaster of emotions actually going home it was lovely in terms of being cared for but I think it's this kind of weird limbo of like feeling like I've I've just put so much effort into this independence and now I'm I'm home and it's not necessary, but I kind of want it to be necessary, but don't want it to be necessary because I do want to be looked after, but I also want to be my own person. Yeah, I think it was a a combination of a lot of feelings. I I think you've explained it in a very lovely way, Marianne. It's that push and pull. And especially, I think, of note is you've likely changed a lot. People at home might not necessarily completely. So there's that there's also a change in for your parents and maybe your other siblings to recognize that you've gone through a big experience and try and adapt and 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 kind of cope with that about, you know, when you say, Oh, you know, there's things you want to do that you normally do, it might not fit in with family again. So it's it's mm. almost like another readjustment going back home. Completely. Oh, completely. And and for it to to be a second home, to know that I have two two places that I call home is also it's a huge adjustment. And it's also freeing, I think, because I think your family can have various kind of complications or disruptions or all of those things. And so it's also really nice, other than obviously there is that limbo, there's also this freedom of like, this is not my entire world. And I have a whole world that I've created that I can return to. Um, so there's also something lovely about that, I think. Yeah. Two homes, Marianne. I like that. Yeah. Maybe you already kind of mentioned some of these things, but they're kind of summary questions for us. What's been the most rewarding part of this experience? The friendships I've made. Mm-hmm. One million percent. I think I, I basically left my secondary school to go to sixth form during the height of COVID. And so the opportunity to meet new friends was completely kind of delayed and, and almost destroyed. There was so much weirdness around what we were able to do, online school, all of these kinds of things. And I think that I had lost quite a bit of hope in terms of university, in terms of socialising, because I felt that I maybe lost those skills a bit during that period realizing that I hadn't and that I there were still so many people to meet and so many people to kind of connect with I think that's been the most rewarding very lovely that that kind of COVID experience that people had of 
not being able to do things. It affected people in a very strong way, didn't it? What's your biggest, what's been your biggest challenge? My biggest challenge has probably been the balance of kind of self-care and kind of the balance of being introverted and extroverted at the same time and and finding carving out time for myself just for the sake of it just for myself I think that has been the biggest challenge and I'm still figuring that out because I'm so it's almost like an addiction that you're kind of you stand your friends and if they're all doing something then I want to be there and you know mm. so I think it's more that, that yeah. definitely and I wonder Marianne that you if you've made these firm friendships if there's a time then when people say, oh, look, we're all going out, you're coming, the firmer the friendships there are, you can say, actually, not me tonight, thanks. Completely. And that's the blessing of, of Chan too. Yeah. Because I've kind of, it's such a strong foundation that I feel completely free to, I don't, you know, I think in term one, you're, you're kind of, there's an insecurity there of like, if I miss this, I'm going to miss a huge bonding opportunity. Um, whereas now I'm, I'm kind of like, obviously we're all still learning about each other every day, but it's very different. I feel very established in a group of people that I know, you know, I, they've made it known that they want to hang out with me and I've made it known that I want to hang out with them. And so if I, if I'm kind of elsewhere, it's not, it's not a sign of not being interested in the friendship anymore. It's more just a self-care. And also about just being yourself too. Completely. I'm somebody that goes out a bit and I'm somebody that has a bit of time on my own, or I'm somebody that does this, or I'm somebody that does that. Totally. Right. The secure when you've got those secure friendships, that's that gives you like your word, that foundation. Was is there anything that you would have done differently if you had a chance to start all over again? You might not, but you might it's difficult. I I I kind of actually have no regrets about what how my experience has been so far because it has been so so lovely and everything and more than I'd hoped for but I I think maybe if I had joined more societies I think that would have been a lovely thing to do because even though I have this group of people who I love um I also feel like I'm still kind of I don't want to get too comfortable in that being my kind of my entire world and so I think societies are a great opportunity to kind of meet people in it gives an opportunity to meet people and people you would never otherwise meet from different years and with similar interests to you and I think what last time I kind of I was so quick to find my people that it was like I didn't want to commit to not being able to do other things with them um just because I had, I, I would have other commitments with societies and things like that. So I think that would probably be the only thing that I would say is I would really recommend joining societies in that first term and just meeting a. It just it just broadens your horizons, I think. Or even in your second or third or second, yeah. You know, it, it's kind of never too late. And I think one of the other things I think you're right in that. You know, if you join a society, if you've got passion or you really like something, you meet other people with that. And there's also a, a kind of positive in joining something that you just want to try that you've never tried before, something completely new. 
because this is a, a, a kind of safeish time to do that kind of thing, to try out new things. So last question. I'm sorry about the last question, but um, because we've this has been a really lovely conversation. If you were talking to other students, like you talk to students, if you were going to say, this is what you really need to do in first year, in that first term, um, about that transition, what would you tell them, Marianne? I would tell them that they should focus on finding people that feel safe and trustworthy and that you feel, I think, feeling relaxed by seeking people that relax you, I think is really important in this time because it's incredibly hectic. And I think being open to all kinds of people and, and kind of putting yourself in uncomfortable situations in order to get to that comfort is integral to the journey of university and I think accepting that and knowing that is really important mm -hmm. because then you you do more um, and you find out more about people and I think also drop any assumptions about yourself mm -hmm. or others because it's an opportunity to reinvent yourself and and kind of shine different parts of yourself that maybe you couldn't beforehand and so be open to that because it's such a great opportunity for that. That's what I would say. Uh, very lovely points. And particularly that number two that I like about knowing that in any transition, any change, like if it's this ch change or going in, even into the world of work or whatever the change might be ahead of you, it will be uncomfortable to begin with until you kind of adapt and you understand where you are and who you're with and what you're doing. So, you know, we often get people to think back about other transitions they've made and make that connection too. Like you went to sixth form, that was likely a big transition for you. And especially at the time of COVID and then you had your gap year, that was also a transition for you. So it's knowing that there's discomfort at times and it usually works its way out. Thank you so much, Marianne, for giving up your time. I know you're you're working in a works. We were, we were talking in a workspace, so if there is a little background noise, I think it, I think it was fine, Marianne. It'll be good. Okay, good. Best of luck in term two and term three, which is likely just around the corner for you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. So thanks Marianne for sharing such helpful insights. Our apologies that the sound was not perfect. We tried our best to cancel out the background noise, but lost to the sound quality as a result. But we really felt it important to share this conversation anyway. So reflecting on the conversation, I think it was really helpful to hear Marianne's observation that she was excited and so involved socially that after a while she realised she was overwhelmed and needed to make time for social rest. Fear of missing out is something we hear many young people talk about, and it seems it can really have quite serious implications for our well-being if we don't realise the cumulative impact it can have on our energy levels over time. So something to really watch out for. Also, Marianne described how she felt she now has two homes and was finding it both a positive and negative thing. This living between two states at times of transition is often referred to as living in the liminal space and is quite normal. It can be a time of hope and new beginnings mixed in with challenge and some confusion. Over time, as we adjust and settle into our new environments and our new states, that liminal space recedes. However, 
If you're finding it overly challenging and emotionally draining, then please go to your wellbeing services to talk it through with someone. Also, take care of yourself and get some good sleep. Pretty much every student we've spoken to has mentioned the importance of sleep. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with the first in a new series looking at the challenge of exams and assessments, offering emotional and practical tips to help you thrive through this next step. Be it end of year exams, A-levels or college assessments and qualifications. Wishing you a great weekend. Bye for now. For the legal bits. The information contained in this podcast is for information purposes only. The content is not intended to act as a substitute for professional advice. Please do not delay in seeking professional help for any medical or mental health condition. Use of the information in this podcast and associated materials is at the user's own risk.